On today's episode, I interview Maya Korbick, a CPA, mom, and author of the book, From Piggy Banks to Stocks, The Ultimate Guide for a Young Investor. We talk about how parents can teach their children about money, the best ways to save and invest, if parents should give their kids an allowance, and if money really buys happiness. Have some sort of a rule in the house that money is not taboo. We talk about money. It's okay to talk about money. Uh, it's good to discuss money because uh, some parents, some parents that I speak with, they grew up in homes where money was taboo, where money was source of conflict, and so they are very much resistant to talk about money. Um, so you know, if you're having a conversation, let's say with your husband, um, you know, you can be talking about mortgage in front of the kids, and a lot of that stuff is going to fly over their heads, but that's okay. As they get older, you know, they will they will start to understand some of this terminology and what it all means. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Maya, thank you so much for being here today and joining me on the show to talk about how we can teach our kids to save and invest, which is such an important topic. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm excited to be here. I, I fell in love with your account the first time I saw it on Instagram, and I just was like scrolling through, and I couldn't get enough. Like I was trying to take notes and trying to figure out <laughs> all the things that you were trying to, you know, teach parents on how to help kids save and invest. And you know, one of the things that did keep popping up over and over again that your that your messaging was getting across was that you need to start early. So let's just kick it off. And can you tell me the rationale uh, of why we should start early and you know how early is too early? I mean, we should, we, should we start as soon as we get pregnant? Should we start as soon as the baby's born? Um, when, when should we start actually saving for our children? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the earlier, the better, obviously, because uh, one asset that we have or the younger people actually have over the older people is the time. And so time plus the compound interest. And I don't want to get into math here, but they do magic. They work magically because the more time you have, the more money your money can earn. And so if we can start investing early, that just means that we're giving a longer time period for our money to work for us. Um, and, and I love, you know, to talk about long-term investing. A lot of times people are freaked out when it comes to investing. Uh, they associate investing with gambling. But, you know, there is a strategy for anyone who's a long-term investor. It's really easy to do. Um, I, you know, and, and you can even do this on your own as long as you get educated. And it doesn't take that long to get educated. Uh, personally, I love investing in ETFs and index funds. They're really easy to understand. Essentially, they just follow the market. Um, like there are ETFs that are composed. Basically, it's like a group of stocks. And when you purchase one share, you're purchasing 
let's say, all of those stocks at the same time. So uh, they follow the market. And historically, the market has been going up and down, but it has upward trajectories. So even if you were to go online and pull up, you know, um, like say the, the graph of the stock market for the last 50 or 60 years, yes, you're going to see, you know, the, the line going up and down, up and down, but it keeps going up, which means that if you are a long-term investor, if you're investing in solid companies, your money will keep growing as long as you're not pulling it out, you know, selling, investing in something else. It's, you know, about being patient and also being consistent and investing over a long period of time. So we're going to get into that in a little bit because I, I, I'm very novice in this. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. And I mean, just the other day, I opened up um, savings accounts for the kids, my, my two children, for the first time ever. It's been something on my to-do list for years. And, you know, we've been investing kind of in our own savings accounts, but now they have their own with their name on it. And, you know, it's very exciting. So, and they were super excited about it. But now I don't really know where to start, what to do. So before we get into the investing in stocks and things like that, which I do want to ask you about later, what would be the first step a parent can take to start saving for money? Would it be opening up a savings account? I know you don't get a lot of interest on that. I think it was like 0.01% or something. It was like, oh, you earned a penny this month. Yay, which is better than nothing. But I know there's better things when it comes to CDs and money markets and things like that. But what would be the first step a parent could take to start in like just saving prior to the investing, but saving money? And maybe how much should a parent save per month or should, you know, should we budget in that to be able to, you know, make sure there's there's money that goes in our kids' accounts every single month? Yeah, so I actually think um, savings, starting off with a savings account is definitely a great first step. Um, and definitely opening up kids' savings account is something that uh, can, you know, pr- uh, basically push kids to want to save. Um, and... I think, you know, how much you put in there is entirely up to you. Every family is different. What I like to tell parents is that, for example, if they're giving allowance to their children, um, you know, giving allowance to their kids, that allowance is a whole separate topic. It's like a whole yes, lecture. We, I have many questions <laughs> on that. We're going to get to that soon. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, if you're giving allowance, um, you don't want to just hand over the money. Allowance is a teaching tool. So you want your child to do something with that money. So one of the things that you can ask your child to do is take a portion of that allowance money and save it. Um, and that way you're teaching them. Um, one of the top habits that wealthy people do, which is pay themselves first. Before they start paying bills and spending money, paying other people, they are paying themselves. So they take a little bit of money. How much? Again, entirely up to you. I used to make my kids save 50%, but that was just specific for our family. Uh, Some people say I do 10% because that's how much I save from every paycheck. But the idea is that they get into the habit of saving and they think of this as something normal. This is just something that we do. When the money comes in, we take a portion, we put it aside and we save it. Um, and then because there's younger and, you know, it's easier for them, for us to explain to them savings accounts, um, you know, it's really good to start off with that. As they get older, that money can be transferred from the savings account into investment account when they're actually capable of understanding investing. Exactly. And so where would a parent go? Like, would would someone need to hire a financial advisor to be able to use some of those investments accounts? I know, you know, there's, uh, you know, Roth IRAs and there's stocks and uh, there was a list I actually had here of words that just, you know, kind of go over a lot of people's heads. I feel like index funds, mutual funds, bonds, you know, 
cryptocurrency. I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, to me, it's just, I think it doesn't happen for me because that seems so foreign and I don't understand it. So I avoid it and I just don't do it. So where would a parent even start investing money beyond the savings account? Like where would we go? Like to our local bank or how does that even work? (laughs) So first of all, I just want to say you're not alone. Like what you described to me is like what I hear every day. Majority of the people feel exactly like you, super smart people. You have your PhD, like you know, it's not like I'm talking to somebody who's uneducated and people tell me that all the time. They just feel so intimidated by this terminology. However, it's super simple. And I know you said you bought my book. So when you read it, uh, I think you will understand all that very quickly. Um, and the thing is that a lot of, when I was, I'm just going to quickly say this, like when I was testing the book while I was writing it, um, the idea was really the book was for kids, but it was the parents that were reading the book with the kids and they came back to me and they said, oh my gosh, like I finally understand how stock market works. So with that being said, like all of us are capable of understanding it. It's truly like, once you understand it, you're like, this is I should have done this years ago. How crazy is this? Right. It's almost like one of those secrets. Like, like why are these people keeping this a secret? So, you know, to your, uh, to answer your question, like, do you need a financial advisor? I would say, unless you know what you're doing, I would say yes. Um, so the thing is like with financial advisors, there's this battle out there you know uh, some people will tell you you don't need a financial advisor you can do it on your own some people will tell you you need one i kind of stand somewhere like in between uh i do lean more on the side where i think if everybody got educated you wouldn't need one uh but i also find that even though like i've educated people through my wealthy kids investment club i've educated numerous families sometimes there is that lack of confidence to do this on your own uh, and then people, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, yes, you should. Then if you, if you can't act on your own, if you're too scared, there's two options. One is either like start applying what you have learned by investing, let's say $10 a week. If you feel comfortable with like losing $10 per week, not that you're going to lose it, but who knows, maybe you will. Right. So it's like $10 per week is nothing. I'm just going to keep investing $10 per week until I feel comfortable with the platform, with, with my strategy with understanding what I'm investing in and all that, right? Uh, But if you don't even feel comfortable doing that, then definitely hire an investment advisor. The thing about investments and advisors is that the fees are, they can be pretty hefty, Um, you know? And, you know, when I, when I, I I actually started off, even though I'm a CA, uh, CPA, and I am an accountant, I did not learn this stuff until like much later on in life. And again, like I was like, like you and everybody else I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't understand this. I hired someone and we paid a lot in fees. And I also, uh, there are online, free online calculators that you can pull up, you know, based on your portfolio, based on the percentage that you're paying in fees, you can actually calculate how much you're going to pay your financial advisor. And once I calculated that amount, I was not okay with that. However, That was only because I was like, I'm going to learn and I'm going to educate myself. But you know what? If I was too busy to learn, right? If I'm just one of those people, I don't want to learn. I'd rather hand it over to somebody else. Then make sure you find a reputable, trustworthy advisor and have them handle it for you. Because if they're making you money, you know, they're also making money. And I think that's fair. So I don't, I don't like to completely trash financial advisors because I think that's just not right because I think that there is a place for them and they do a lot of good. But I think that there are a lot of people out there who can understand this stuff and they can invest on their own as well. Right. Exactly. Um, I do want to get to the allowance question. I'm dying to ask it <laughs> to you. I have a few that I, I were like on top of my list. But I think to start first, 
let's talk about your advice on how to even start talking to kids about money. Um, I know you talk about online about, you know, having conversations with kids about money. And I think it's very important because they don't really know how much things cost, especially when they're younger. We'll go on vacation and my kids have no idea, you know, what it goes into it, you know, how much a a plane flight costs, how much the hotel costs, the rental car, the food. I mean, it all adds up and they don't see the line items of all these things. They just enjoy their vacation as they should. They're children, right? They don't need to be bogged down by the stress of bill paying and mortgages and things like that. However, I do think that there is conversations to be had to start learning about those types of things in a child-friendly way early in life so they do know that money just doesn't grow on trees <laughs> you know right and on my special card that you know my ATM card you know they I have a red one and a blue one they they that they call it and they like oh well, let's just there's no money on the blue one okay let's use the red one you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, doesn't the bank have your money? Well, yeah, but you know. (laughs) So what do you suggest when it comes to having those conversations with kids? um, It's at an age appropriate level um, about money. Like what are some just some basic ways to kind of start talking about money where they at least can conceptualize a little bit that, you know, money's not free, it's earned. Right. So I think it's important to um, understand that kids are actually very curious about money. And especially when they're younger, I would say preschoolers, we might catch them playing store or playing with pretend money. So they want to learn. Uh, But to your point, we don't want to stress them out about it. So there is a way to talk to them. Um, I think the first step is to um, have some sort of a rule in the house that money is not taboo. We talk about money. It's okay to talk about money. Uh, it's good to discuss money because uh, some parents, some parents that I speak with, they grew up in homes where money was taboo, where money was source of conflict. And so they are very much resistant to talk about money. Um, so, you know, if you're having a conversation, let's say with your husband, um, you know, you can be talking about mortgage in front of the kids and a lot of that stuff is going to fly over their heads, but that's okay. As they get older, you know, they will, they will start to understand some of this terminology and what it all means. Um, I typically, I actually, on my Instagram account, um, I have posted, uh, you know, 30 questions that you can ask your kids about money. Um, and I periodically, every few months, I like to repost it because I always get a lot of new followers and people don't even know that I've posted that. So these are great discussion points to have with kids. Like, you know, if you're driving somewhere or, you know, if you're having dinner and you're looking for some conversation, um, you know, something interesting to talk about. So it's kind of like, Hey, um, you know, what would you do if you, with million dollars, if you want million dollars or, you know, um, what would happen if, you know, we did not pay, I don't know, our electricity or um, there are some questions in there that are just like, you know, you, you want to understand like what they're thinking and how they're thinking about money, and what their understanding is. Um, and other one other thing that I want to mention is when, um, you know, a lot of times parents, when they're shopping with their kids, sometimes the kids will ask for things. So, you know, instead of saying, oh, I forgot my wallet or whatever the excuse is. Um, it's about changing that conversation so that it's like, uh, it's not like I forgot my wallet. It's more like, Hey, um, you know, we are not going to get that today because let's say, and then you insert the reason why, like you have the same, something very similar, uh, or, you know, maybe if, if the answer is like, we can't get that today because we can't afford it. You don't want to sugarcoat it, but at the same time, you don't want to be very negative and upset the child. Uh, so the answer could be, 
you know, we cannot afford it yet, but if this is something that you really, really want, let's make a plan and figure out how you can afford it. Maybe, you know, we can find some things that you can do. Maybe we can return, you know, beer bottles or beer cans to the uh, liquor store so that you can get a little bit, you can earn a little bit of money that way. And let's, let's figure out because we want to teach them that they can afford anything, just not everything at the same time. Right. Right. It's so funny that you said that because the other day, like I said, I opened up savings accounts for my kids earlier this week and they were at school and I did it, you know, at the bank by myself because I was doing some other, you know, business transactions and it took a long time. So, you know, last time I took them to the bank, they were completely bored out of their mind, but they were very excited about it. But then um, they have, you know, piggy banks at home with some money that they've gotten from the tooth fairy or, you know, different holidays and things like that. And I said, well, now that you have your account, let's go back to the bank. The banker that I worked with wanted to meet them. And, you know, let's take your piggy banks and put your money in a bag or something. And let's have you make your first deposit, like, you know, your first transaction. And they, they were like, no, we want to, we don't want to lose our money. We, we don't want to give it to the bank. And then I realized, oh gosh, they really have no idea how this works, you know, because they wanted to save their money at home. Like they wanted to tangibly like touch see their it. money and see it versus having it in the bank. So I know I'd love your conversation starter. So I'm going to scroll your Instagram until I can find it or, you know, wait for you to post it again. Because um, I think, like you said, having those conversations of even just how a bank works, you know, and how deposits work and how withdrawals work, I think is is a great conversation to have even just that alone. Yeah. And, and you know, it's really interesting because uh, even when you were mentioning the bank cards, um, I, I have been going to schools and teaching financial literacy as like a, a lunchtime workshop or like a classroom workshop. And I find that grade ones and twos really struggle to understand kind of where money comes from. So they hear their parents say, money doesn't grow in trees. I work hard for my money. Uh, and we do this. It's like hands-on activity. And uh, basically, like I, I give them, um, you know, like we, we talk about needs versus wants and then they have a puppy and then they have to go to a store. They have a limited budget. So they have to buy things that are needs for the puppy. If there's any money left over, they have to buy wants. So then when they run out of money, they, they, they run out, they don't have any more money. Uh, we have this like, like something that represents the bank and the ATM. And I said, okay, and their account in the bank. So I'm like, look, your account is empty. So we do all this so they can actually physically see it. They said, the account is empty. So how are we going to get the money back in here? And they're just stumped. They don't know. And I said, okay, well, what do your parents do every day? And only a few, like few of them will be like, oh yeah, they go to work and that's how they earn money. So I said, yes, they exchange their time for money and then the money comes into this account and then that money can be used. So, you know, and I always like to say, I'm like, well, next time when you are shopping with your parents, you know, just because they have that bank card, it doesn't mean that, you know, there's money in that account. I mean, there's probably enough money to pay for needs, but there may not be enough money to pay for wants, right? Yeah. I like that. I like distinguishing the difference between needs and wants, especially for children, because pretty much everything's a need for them. <laughs> Even the toy that, you know, you you get at Target, you're like, oh, I need that, you know? I don't have right. that Matchbox car in my collection. Like, I need that now, right? <laughs> Um, and it's funny you mentioned about, um, you know, playing like play money and, you know, playing grocery store my, my, and kitchen. My, my kids have all that. And he has a little my son, especially who's in first grade, has a restaurant and a, a grocery store. And, you know, we we have a, a, a like a register and he has the money and. It's funny, the other day, I think I ordered a coffee from him and it cost me like $500. <laughs> I'm going to 
because he has no idea how much a coffee costs, right? So I think just having them part of that everyday process and just, you know, when you go to Starbucks and you get a coffee, like let them order, maybe let them put the car, you know, my, my daughter now who's 10, like, like, likes using my card or cash to pay for something, uh, makes her feel, you know, older and important, which is great. And she's learning that customer service type skill, like, you know, interacting with the clerks and whatnot. And, um, but, you know, knowing, getting the receipt and actually knowing how much a coffee costs, how much do groceries cost when we go per week or, you know, even budgeting, like learning how to budget and even saying, yeah. okay, well, we, we budget this amount amount for gas each, each month or this amount for groceries and, you know, letting, kind yeah. of letting them know about those things. So let's go back to allowances <laughs> and, and chores because I know there's different camps out there of if children should be doing chores or not, or should they be learning or earning an allowance or not, and also how much that should be. So do you have any tips on you know where a parent can start thinking about those things and maybe the, the pros of you know possibly earning an allowance? Like you said, we work in exchange for our time. And so if they do something that's, you know, quote unquote work, um, that they get paid for their time too. And I know you've mentioned on your Instagram, you know, doing a car wash or pet sitting or putting the dishes away or things like that. Simple things that children can do um, around the house that is helpful that they can, you know, do in exchange for money. But what are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. So this is like one of those fully loaded topics. I'm I know. I'm trying to sum it down. Uh, but essentially, like, I'm just going to preface it with saying that I've been doing this for 11 years. And one thing that I've learned over time is that there is no one way to teach kids about money. With that being said, there's no one right allowance method. And I have witnessed social media where people are just going at each other's throats because they strongly believe there's one way. So I'm going to quickly explain allowance. And there are actually four different allowance methods that people can use. And in my opinion, they can choose whichever one works best for them. And if that one doesn't work, they can try a different one. And they can keep trying until they figure out what works for their family. Um, the allowance method that you choose should be uh, it should actually align with your family values. So we all parent differently and according to our family values, we teach money differently in accordance with our values. The allowance is not a gift. A lot of times people think when we give money to someone, we're gifting them money. Allowance is a teaching tool. Essentially, the allowance is really there to teach our kids how to manage money when the stakes are not high and dollar amounts are not high. We want our kids to make mistakes now and making mistakes is good because they want to learn. We want them to learn from those mistakes now rather than let's say they graduate from university, they have a six figure salary and they start to make those mistakes then. Like we don't want them making mistakes when they're making lots of money. So with allowance, um, there, as I said, four different methods. The first one is uh, tying allowance to chores. So obviously, par uh, first of all, parents who actually like this method. Uh, they want to teach their kids money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work hard for your money. Um, you know, that basically they just have to put in an effort. And um, if they don't, if they don't do the chore, obviously they don't get the allowance. The second method um, of the allowance is basically allowance that's not tied to chores. And the parents that support this method, they believe that children should be doing chores out of the duty as a household member as a family member, and they believe that um, nobody's going to pay their kids to make their bed or clean out, you know, take out garbage when they become adults. So they just want them to do these uh, tasks because they're a member of a family unit. 
Uh, however, in this case, if kids do not, let's say, do these chores or if they're misbehaving, parents don't take away allowance because allowance is a teaching tool. Parents will take away screen time, play dates, and so on. There is a third allowance method, which is the hybrid of the first two. So and with this method, um, parents will give a certain amount of money weekly or bi-weekly to the kids, but the children have opportunity to earn extra money by doing certain tasks uh, within the family. And that's entirely up to you. Uh, we actually follow this method. And again, just because we did it doesn't mean you should, but uh, we had some tasks for our kids. Like I, I got them to shred my uh, confidential documents. Um, they had an opportunity to wash our car instead of us taking the car through the car wash. So things like that. Um, and then the last allowance method is not giving allowance at all. There are people that feel very, very strongly about it. Um, and I think that's fair. That's fine. You know, however, if you don't want to give allowance, I strongly suggest that you, uh, first of all, talk about money to your kids and that you set the stellar example of how money should be managed because kids are like little sponges. They absorb everything. They see what we're doing and they will copy it. Uh, but also, um, I think it's important to give our kids some opportunities to practice money management. An example of that would be, um, let's say your child is celebrating their birthday. So you can actually make your child in charge of their birthday budget. So when they're younger, you can kind of manage it alongside your child or with them. And then as they get older, you know, you can have your child be completely uh, in control of that budget and decide where the money gets spent and how it gets spent. And so hopefully they can learn from that experience. So you want to give them some uh, experiences where they can actually be completely in charge. It could be even as they get older, when they're teenagers, maybe they could be in charge of a, a grocery budget uh, for your household or something similar, right? Like paying the bills. Like you really want to involve them because they, they need that hands-on experience. I love that. I actually like the hybrid. I wasn't sure what I would like because we have not started one yet. We've thought about it and we thought about how should we, you know, finagle this and work it into, like you said, our family values. And, uh, you know, we do want to teach, you know, accountability and responsibility, not just financial, but just like you said, just for, you know, being able to take care of a household as a family. And, you know, the my son was giving my dog food the other day. He saw that the bowl was empty and he took it upon himself and took the initiative. And he's my first grader. He's my little seven-year-old. And he went to the, you know, the pantry and he filled up the dog's food bowl. And I thought, gosh, I, I mean, I praised him, you know, we praise, you know, do positive verbal, you know, affirmations and things like that. And just of how responsible he was and things. But I thought oh, it kind of triggered me because I knew I was maybe because I was talking knew I was going to be interviewing you soon. But I thought, oh, maybe we should start doing some things where they just have some simple responsibilities around the house. And, you know, you know, it was it was just very sweet. And I, I noticed that with my kids sometimes, like they take that initiative of, you know, to do things like that, or because they want to help, you know, you that age, like they they want to be helpers, you know, so um, I think it's a good, a good, like you said, way to have a teaching moment and, you know, also learn about that financial responsibility. Absolutely. Um, you know, okay. So I'm a play therapist. I think you know that. So a lot of my work revolves around play-based parenting and, and play and things like that. And something that I noticed on your Instagram that I really want to talk to you about quickly is 
learning fun ways for kids and parents um, to to save money. And this is a new year, so we're still in January. So it's a great time to start investing for the year. And I noticed on Instagram that you have some challenges. I think there was four of them, um, but they're fun ways that you know kids can earn money. And one of them, I'm not going to you know do a spoiler alert because I know you're going to explain it in more detail now. But there was one where you put a um, hundred envelopes with a different number on it and. Anyway, I'll let you go from there, but they were very intriguing to me. And to me, they were very almost play-based, like fun, challenging ways for you to save money this year. So if you can go into some of those, that would be great. Um, we can start with the envelope one if you want, but um, that's the one I think I want to try first, um, just so parents can- Is that one the one that appealed to you the most? I think it the was. One? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm actually, I was curious because um, I post that at the beginning of the year because I know a lot of people have um, certain goals and for a lot of people, it's like making more money or saving more money. And I know saving money is hard. So, um, but with 100 envelope challenge, essentially you grab 100 envelopes, uh, you write down numbers uh, one to 100 on each one. Uh, sorry, you, you gotta put them in numerical order, but like one, two, three, whatever, up to 100. Um, you shuffle uh, the envelopes and then you put them in a, in a bag uh, or you can put them in a container, whatever, whatever you wish. Um, and then for the next 100 days, uh, basically, you just take an envelope from that bag and then uh, the number that's written on that envelope will tell you how much money you need to save. So like if you drew an envelope that had number 20 on it, you would have to save like $20. Or you have to put $20 in that envelope. Um, so it's it's like, you know, a, a fun way to save. And I think you save about like $5,000. Uh, yeah, for the like year. That. That, that, that like blew my mind. <laughs> you know, it's but it's, a, it's like I said, it's a fun, almost play-based way is the way I saw it. Way for, you know, kids to, to get excited about the saving of the money and then seeing that at the end of the year. I mean, that's $5,000 you may or may not have saved in the first place. But it's not just here, I'm going to put this $5,000 in your account and then call it a day. It's a great way to even have that parent attachment with their child of, you know, like you said, learning about money, having those conversations. Anyway, keep going. But that, that right. is my favorite. But I so, love your other ways too. Right. So there was one other one where you can save, I think, more than $3,000 is like where you literally start on the first day of the year. And so it goes entirely like it goes you're saving every single day of the year. So for 365 days and you start off with like five cents saved on the first day the second day you save 10 cents then the next day you save uh 10 cents plus another five cents so that's 15 cents so every day you're adding five cents more than what you had before um and i think on the last day of the year uh you're transferring something like 18 dollars but by the end of the year, you actually have like about $3,000, which I remember like I was, I kept on checking the math on that one. I was like, wait, like, uh, is this real? Like, and I, I had like a few people check the math and I'm like, no, this is real. It's, wow. it's mind boggling. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, there's more. I think you have more on Instagram, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there. So people go to your Instagram because it's amazing. So they can learn different ways and different challenges they can do with their kids this year. Because I, you know, like I said, it's a new year. It's a great time to start, you know, investing, saving, you know, all those things. So um, two other quick questions I had is, you know, I keep, hearing about, you know, different college plans. And I know a big one is like the 529 savings plan. Um, but I think I haven't started one because 
I believe, if I'm correct, and you may know more on this, obviously, is that it can only be used for college type funds, um, like books and you know um, tuition and things like that. So should parents be thinking about 529 plans or something similar specific for college? I know you have one going to, one of your children is going to college soon. Is that something that you've done for your child or do you suggest that for parents or would, would kids be better off in some of these other, um, you know, investment stocks, you know, type funds versus something like that? So the good thing about 529 plan is that, uh, well, first of all, you can't, if your child decides not to go to college, um, you can transfer the money into the, uh, you know, if you have more than one child, you can transfer that money to the other child, or you can even use the money yourself. But there is a new law that just came um, into play. And basically, if your child chooses not to go to college, uh, you can transfer up to $35,000 from the 529 plan into Roth IRA for your child or another beneficiary. Um, and uh, literally that like $35,000, um, I think I, I did a calculation or something after 40 years, let's say if your child doesn't touch that and it's in this like Roth IRA, you know, they're 18. So when you transfer that money, so after 40 years, they're 58, that money can grow up to like $1.5 million. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there are, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a bad thing to invest there. I think actually with, with this uh, opportunity to transfer the money, I think it's a, a, a good idea. Yeah. And that's a great point you brought up because maybe not all children go to college, you know, for one reason or another, you know, so um, I just didn't want to, you know, I know it's kind of cliche to say this, but put all my eggs in one basket, you know, I wanted to have an account or an investment that could go in all sorts of places, you know. Uh Um, Okay, my last question of the day, which I know is a very loaded question, I know you've talked about it before on social media is does money buy happiness? Uh, it's so funny, actually. I just did a poll on that. I think most of the people on that poll landed in between, and that's kind of where I lay too. Um, I I do have. Uh, I mean, I come from a really poor background. I lived in government shelters and government housing, and so um, I do think that money can help make life better. You know, you can have a nicer house, um, better quality food. Um, that's the thing. Like I, I often think, you know, uh, I'm very grateful and I, and I often think about like where I come from and especially when I'm eating because we buy a lot of organic food and a lot of good quality food. And I'm just like very grateful that we can do that, but there's so many people that, that can't do that. And so I find that money allows us to be able to afford a certain um, quality of a lifestyle that maybe otherwise we wouldn't be. And maybe, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I can afford a cleaning lady, which means that I can dedicate my time to spend it more with my children or maybe on my business. Um, And, you know, I can go on more vacations and spend that quality time with my family. So it's kind of like indirect happiness. But I think like we have to be happy within first before, like they say money, money magnifies what's inside, right? So I, I firmly believe that. 
Yeah, I think I'm with you on that too. But I also think there is that sense of humility that we have to have in our life and, and that that gratitude of, of having what we have and then giving back. I know you've talked about, um, you know, volunteering or giving to charity and making sure that you do that as well, you know, and saving money aside to do that as well, which I'm very much trying to teach my children about too, is, you know, giving back in some way, whether it's, you know, someone's church or whether it's an animal shelter, whether it's, you know, something like St. Jude, you know, you know, children's hospital or, you know, something like that. I think that's a great, you know, way to, to, you know, teach kids that as well. Where can people buy your book and where can people find you online? Cause I would love for everyone to follow your advice. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. So my book is available on Amazon or online, any other a bookstore like Barnes and Noble. The book name is uh, from piggy banks to stocks, the ultimate guide uh, for a young investor. And uh, I am, I spend a lot of time on Instagram, obviously. My Instagram handle is teach.kids.money. And uh, I also have a, a, an investment club for any novice investors that feel intimidated by investing and just want to take, take it step by step. Uh, it's called Wealthy Kids dot club. Actually, that's the URL. So wealthykids.club, C-L-U-B. I love it. Well, I hope um, a lot of people learned from you today. I know I did, and I'm sure others did too, and they're ready to take that first step into saving and investing for their children. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.